What's up, family, and welcome to Empower to Excel, a podcast where truth and perspective collide. It's your boy, O. I'm the host, and I invite you to join me for an engaging conversation as me and my guests give you tools and insight for you as you live your best life. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, O, from Empower to Excel, and we are back. We took an unexpected break during the month of May to take care of a few things. I've had quite a few of you um, ask me if season one is over or if it's done, and the answer to that question is no. We just had to take a break to just handle some things, but we are back, and we are back strong. We have some phenomenal guests um, coming up in our last few episodes for season one, so we just want to just you know, as we are on the road to bringing it to a close, we really want to end out with a strong bang. So we hope and pray that, you know, during the month of May, all the mothers, all the godmothers, all the aunties, you know, all the parents who um, have to fill the role of a mother, you know, all the females, that is, we want to wish you guys a happy Mother's Day. And we hope that, you you know, it was amazing. Moving on to the topic at hand In today's episode, we want to talk about money management and we want to talk about it from the aspect of like, you know, just giving you guys some of the basic tools and fundamentals that you you need to know in terms of like buying a house. Because, you know, now that things are kind of going back to a little bit of normalcy, some people want to be able to get into, you know, buying a home and moving out of, you know, high priced neighborhoods and what have you. Um, for themselves and and for their families, or to even start a family. So today with me, I have the perfect guest for that. I have known him for quite some time, and the one thing that I can definitely say about him is that consistency, consistency, consistency. He has always proven himself to be that word, and that is consistent. Um, he's also proven himself to be a very humble individual over the years that I've known him. Um, he never pulls anyone down. He never really strives to be in the spotlight. You know, um, all you know that humility that he walks in. You know, it has led to him even becoming a brother and a friend. Um, if I had to describe him, you know, he definitely is a man of wisdom. He is a man of God. He is a family man. You know, first and, and, and foremost, um, he is also a spoken word artist. So. He's not just um, a banker, but he's also a spoken word um, artist. And he is here today. It is my friend, my brother, Quincy, um, whom to many in the New York area, he is known as Q the Conqueror. So we just want to welcome Q to, uh, you know, the Empire itself, fam. Welcome, bro. Hey, Omar. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me, man. Not a problem. Not a problem now. I have known Q for uh, quite some time. It's, it's about how long? Four or five years now? About? Uh, about four years, yeah. Yeah, about four years. And, you know, amazing artist, you know. Um, when you see him at first, he's kind of quiet, but give him a mic, he is an assassin with it. <laughs> <laughs> he's an assassin. So, bro, thank you for taking the time out today to speak to my guests. Now, I know you, but can you tell my guests um, a little bit about yourself? Um, sure. Uh, my name is, uh, my name is Quincy Kingston. Um, uh, like uh, Omar mentioned, I'm, uh, an artist, you know, spoken word artist, uh, hip hop artist, anything to do with, uh, lyricism or music, uh, in particular in writing, uh, prose, 
poetry. Um, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, and God has me in that space or has had me in that space for maybe over 20 years. Um, when I'm not doing music, however, uh, I am a banker, a mortgage banker. So I help people to, you know, buy homes. Uh, I've been a banker for about 12 years. Um, and I'm in a space now, uh, especially since the pandemic where, um, it's very important that we, uh, spread not only what's going on in the mortgage industry, but financial literacy for those that don't really know about how to purchase a first home or what to invest in. Um, so any questions uh, you have for me, Omar, I'm very willing and able to answer them, uh, both on the, I guess, the artistry spec or <laughs> the mortgage spec. But I think we're going to focus this on a mortgage today. I mean, we can do both. <laughs> we, we, we definitely do both. Um, <laughs> but definitely probably more so um, on the mortgage aspect. But I guess let, let's start off with the artistry aspect. Um, I guess like what, you know, because I think in today's generation, everybody is a singer and, you know, they just sing just for the sake of it, sake of it because, it, you know, it's what is um, popular. But with you, your spoken word, it definitely is different. And I'm not saying that because I know you, but it definitely is different because it's like it comes from a place (laughs) from deep within. So what made you get into being an an artist? Uh, Doing anything with music or poetry. Um, I thought I would be a basketball player. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was uh, really good in high school. Uh, I'm from New York, basketball town, uh, Brooklyn, New York in particular. And um, I was ranked number 35 in the city amongst guards in in my 11th grade year. Wow. I was about uh, 2002. Um, I got recruited from some colleges. I went to St. John's University. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never played with them. But after I got out of college, I got recruited by the D-League uh, which is like the NBA Developmental League. And I wanted some tryouts, you know, Orlando Magics, Boston Celtics, 76ers. Um, long story short, I uh, went on a tryout, came back, and I was in a tournament in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Somebody hit me out of the air on a fast break, and I tore every ligament <laughs> in my left knee, Whoa. right? Uh, ACL, MCL, PCL, <laughs> LC. You only have four. I tore all of them. And um, I, yeah, I couldn't walk for about nine months. And in, in my time of like, uh, you know, being bedridden, you know, kind of having to rehab and stuff. Yeah. All I would do was like write songs and read the scripture, right? So I'll read the scripture and got to give me poems. I'll read the scripture and got to give me songs. And, you know, after that nine month period, right? Um mm. I had about like two dozen songs and poems and, you know, God said, you know, in fact, I asked him, I said, what do you want me to do with these? You know? And he said, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, give it to the people, you know, give it to his people. And, um, he provided a way miraculously for me to like, uh, create my first like album, you know, it's like an LP and it kind of set my life in a different trajectory. You know, um, I went from, you know, wanting to be a basketball player and, be like a role model for you know young men everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. 
but but God was kind of like, you know, the world doesn't need another LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, you need somebody that can uh, uh, help mentor young men. You know yes. how to how to overcome failure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's what I've been doing. You know, through 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 music, but even even now in my my everyday nine to five type of work, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, man, that's that's phenomenal. So, like, I guess like when you first hit the stage, um, I guess from your first time, if you even remember, do you remember like what that experience was like? Like, what were you like extremely nervous? Like, were you in awe of what God did for you? Like, how did that <laughs> pan out? Oh man, I'll never forget the first time I ever did anything on stage. I was at a youth camp. Okay. Um, I was thirteen years old. My name is Quincy, right? Quincy yeah. Kingston. I have a friend. His name is Andwele. Andwele Thompson. We call him Andy. But they called us. We rapped together, you know. We did, like, went to a youth camp. And, you know, they have, like, this talent night, you know, the youth groups. And we did the talent night. You know, never by, no one ever heard us rap before. We were usually, the, you know, the little guys in the back of the church just laughing. Yeah. And, joking. and we rapped, you know. And um, we got a standing ovation. Man, that's because what's up. they didn't understand, like we were really, we were really spitting bars. We were like 13, 14 years old, and people were like, "Wow!" Like they were amazed, right? I continued yeah. to rap and continue to write poetry. You know, he didn't, right? He still does create, but mm-hmm. just not like I guess to the level I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that experience was a. Uh, was amazing. I actually have that on videotape on YouTube. Okay. And yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I think I'm gonna go back to looking at it right now. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> never, I'll never forget that experience. Um. Oh man. And his name is Andwelly, right? So they, I, I, by default, they started calling us Q and A, right? Wow. Que- question and answer, and then it, the name kind of just stuck with me. And instead of calling myself Question, I just said, you know, just call me Q, but I spell it question mark ue because i believe we're all unanswered questions without god i love it i definitely do love it okay okay cool so that's definitely um something to look forward to uh please you know uh you know towards the end of the podcast um i'm gonna come back here again i swear people can um get the info from you to you know get your music go on youtube and all that good stuff but i want to really dive into you know just the banking aspect like just being a mortgage um this economy today it is hot i was recently so a friend of mine actually was recently looking looking for a place to live and they wanted to, to buy a house but it's been crazy they have no way of well they don't even know the basics they don't know what to do where to go you know um so talk to the people like about that as far as like you know let's start with like apartment hunting you know how should they go about doing stuff like that if you have any knowledge in that um arena okay um well i mean it depends on what state you live in i know omar you're in virginia right now right yeah yeah all right uh, i'm in new york city right mm-hmm. um historically new york is known as being a, a real estate state right yeah um people usually would move from New York to go to somewhere like Virginia because it's more affordable. Yeah. Um, right now, uh, we're in a, a very interesting time in the real estate industry. Okay. 
because when you're talking about renting, right, Mm -hmm. as a result of the pandemic, people have moved away from the city of every state that is in America, right? The -hmm. city is usually more congested, right? The city is more populated, right? So people that you know, could have afforded to move out of the city where it's more congested and more people are, they've done that, right? Yeah. To keep themselves safe, keep their families safe from, you know, close contact of, you know, what has happened in the past two years. Yeah. Right. So all of those people moved out of the city, right? Mm-hmm. They moved, let's say they moved either buying a house or renting outside in urban areas, right? More mm-hmm. secure areas. But now that the pandemic is, you know, coming to a close or it's less deadly, yeah, um, they want to move back. <laughs> the only issue really? is, yeah. So I'm, I'm explaining to you why rent is very high, right? Yeah. So the those people that have moved away are now moving back, right? Because mm-hmm. they know that it's closer to their job. It's more. Yeah. It's more convenient in terms of living and lifestyle right restaurants opening back up things to do weekends but the people who own real estate and rent these properties are realizing everyone is kind of influxing back in and it becomes a supply and demand market where the supply of real estate is low or the same as it was before but the influx is tripled because (laughs) all the people that moved out have they want to come back and the people that were that moved in because they moved out are still there right owners are now raising the rent right and in essence like any type of supply and demand market the rent or the sale is going to go to the highest bidder yeah right so for the first time in like american history people are bidding on apartments right really wow bidding is something that usually happens (laughs) when you're trying to get a house yeah yeah but the real estate market is so competitive now right as a result of the pandemic and everything i just explained people bidding for apartments right on average rents have increased in the past two years 18 percent wow um which which is interesting because real estate mortgages have also increased (laughs) 18 percent right so the, the 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 thing you kind of got to think about is okay, should I continue renting, right? Because it's it's expensive, or should I try to venture out and try and purchase a home? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Um. The I guess the thing to to also consider is, uh, depending on what state you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Because both the rent and the mortgage are increasing. You kind of want to compare and contrast the dollar amount of what it costs you to rent per month to how much your mortgage would be every month in New York, right? Because this is this is relative to what. Yeah, yeah. In New York, right now, the average rent. This is across like the five boroughs, mm-hmm. about maybe between twenty eight hundred. The three thousand dollars, right? Average, Ooh, right? Man. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But mortgages are actually a, just a little bit, a shade under that. It's between maybe twenty seven hundred 
and maybe $3,000, right? Mm-hmm. So it costs you about the same money in New York, right, mm-hmm. to rent than it is to pay a mortgage, right? So people that are also been renting for a long time, they're now thinking, you know what? It doesn't make sense for me to rent because the rents are increasing so much. It's time for me to buy a house and own something. And this is what this is kind of like what's happening. And this is kind of the reason why the real estate market is so crazy right now. Yeah. This is why the real estate market is so hot, like you just said. Um, it's something to pay attention to, but it's also something that you can capitalize on. Okay, so just real quickly, um, I think I explained to you know my listeners like how does a mortgage work? Like how does that whole process work for them in terms of like you know getting a mortgage and that kind of stuff? Like how, how, what what is the prerequisites in order to obtain one? Okay, um, prerequisites. Okay, so I'm a mortgage banker, right? So yeah, I help to pre pre approve people for mortgages um or a loan right people come to me when they're looking for money to buy a house right yeah you, you're the big dog right now <laughs> you know what's funny you're right you know it's, it's interesting i am at my profession is probably the most popular profession right now it is <laughs> in america because everyone is looking for money to buy a house yeah it's man a program that gives a grant in aid of buying a house or in aid of closing costs and down payments and things like that. Uh, I feel very fortunate. I feel very um, uh, humble to even be in a position where I can help a family buy a home. You know what I mean? Uh, when I bought my first home, I knew what it felt like to, you know, put the key in the door for the first time. And, you know, that peace that you felt when you walked through the door, you know, it's unmatched. I will never forget it, you know. Uh, but in terms of answering your question, um, the process, a prerequisite, uh, I'll get, there's a few things, but I'll give you something that's very, very comprehensive, man. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it in five steps. Go for it. Some people think that you need a crazy credit score, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Some people think that you need a very, very large down payment, right? Okay. Some people think that, um, you know, the money that you have coming in on a monthly basis has to be uh, astronomical in relation to, you know, what, what you're paying for a mortgage. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, all of those things are myths, you know, really myths, man. Uh, in terms of a credit score, right. This is the first part in terms of a credit score. You're actually able to get pre-approved for a mortgage. If you have <laughs> at minimum a 580 credit score, Right, man. Stop playing. Five eighty or above, right? You don't need a. You don't need a seven hundred. You don't need an eight hundred, right? We're able to pre-approve you. Most banks, right? Think that I work for. If you want to, I guess chat offline. I'll let you know all those things. Yeah. Able to pre-approve you for for a mortgage if your credit score is five eighty, right? If it's below five eighty, we can't do anything. But five eighty now. Most people they didn't they don't know that most people think they need a six eighty <laughs> or so. Let me ask you this question real quick. No, not question. I'm sorry. So why? So in terms of now, I guess what I, what I've heard, I'm sure that some some of my listeners have heard too. The higher the credit score you have, the lesser of a down payment. Is that why people 
try to promote that? No, no, that's incorrect. So okay. the higher your credit score, the lower your interest rate. Got you. Okay. On your mortgage. But your credit score doesn't really have much to do with the down payment that's required. Mm, okay. Now, there are some programs, right? Yeah, yeah. First-time home buyer programs that only require you to put down 3.5%, sometimes 3%, right, uh, as a down payment. For example, the average home in New York, a decent home, right? Let's say you buy it in Long Island. Yeah. Somewhere. may cost around $420,000, right? Okay. 3.5% of, let's say, $400,000. Uh, twelve thousand, thirteen, fourteen, maybe fourteen thousand dollars. Right, that's a down payment. Right, um, you only need fourteen thousand dollars as a down payment to buy a fourteen, a four hundred thousand dollar house. Right, wow. most people have fourteen thousand dollars in a four hundred one k. Yeah. Know? which is something that you can use as a down payment, right? Um, I want to be extra accurate. Yeah, go for it. Even while we're talking, right? Average yep. price of a house in Long Island is between 425 and 450, right? So let's say 450 on the higher end, right? If you're in an FHA program and you put down 3.5%, uh, you would be required to put down 15750 right mm-hmm. is $1,750 more than what I initially said but yeah most people still have at least 15 grand thousand in a 401k right if you worked consistently for four years or five years you have maybe 20 30,000 in a 401k and most 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 employers allow you to borrow against that right so that's the those are the first two myths I want to yeah kind of destroy right yeah your, your question was requirements right yeah first one is your credit score does not have to be like a 700 right if you have a 5 eight or better you're able to get pre-approved for at least an fha program loan right and in terms of down payment you don't need to have 50 60 thousand dollars right most people would like most banks would like you to put down 20 percent, right but mm-hmm. that's not always required right you can put down 3.5 percent five percent right yeah 10 percent, right and you'll be able to purchase a house now i would re- recommend a client put down five percent right when they're buying a house right okay so if you have a house that's four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars math uh which is very possible to find even in new york or let's say 425 like we said for the last example right five percent mm-hmm. Uh, four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars is twenty-one thousand two fifty. Right? You have twenty thousand dollars as a down payment. You can purchase a house for four hundred twenty-five thousand. Right? Wow. Yeah. Now the other thing to think about is also something called closing cost. Right. I, I asked about that too. Right. So, um, we're talking about requirements, right? Yeah. First thing I'm telling you guys was the credit score. The second thing I'm kind of trying to get you to understand is how much money in total will you need right five mm-hmm. percent as a down payment is something that you could do or 3.5 percent 
right? I say 5% because 5% is the minimum you would need to put down in order to get a conventional loan, right? Now, a conventional loan has different requirements than an FHA loan. And the main one is FHA requires an additional inspection, right? Whenever they're a, purchase, a p- person is purchasing a house. That additional inspection is kind of making sure that everything is good for the first time home buyer, right? FHA loans are in favor of the first time home buyer. So they want to make sure you have everything good. They don't want you buying a house that may have something wrong with it. So they require an additional inspection, right? Now, most sellers in a market like now, they would rather sell the house to somebody who doesn't need an additional inspection Uh because they can get somebody to buy it (laughs) and they can get somebody to put down 5% and opposed 3.5%, right? So I guess one way to be competitive in the market is, you know, uh, not always settle for the 3.5, but kind of venture out. And if you could put down 5%, that's something that you should do. If you could put down more than that, that's that's great, right? You're edging out your competition, but it's not required, right? You don't have to put down 20% in order to get a house. Right. Um, so that's the second myth I want to bust. Um, in terms of closing costs, on average, closing costs are between maybe 4 and 5% of whatever your loan amount is. So let's say you put down 5% for a $400,000 house. And you put down another five percent for closing costs. It's about forty thousand dollars for a four hundred thousand dollar house. That's ten percent, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have about ten percent of whatever the loan value is for the home you're trying to buy, mm-hmm. you can purchase that house, right? So if you're in Virginia, the price of homes maybe a little bit less, maybe three thousand, three hundred thousand. So you could purchase a house in Virginia for about $30,000, right? That's down payment and closing costs included. All your fees, right? If you're somewhere upstate, like in Buffalo, you could purchase a house for $200,000, a nice one. (laughs) And Buffalo is one of those places that are very up and coming. Yeah. Uh, they They have really good sports teams as well. Buffalo Bills, right? Think <laughs> City. You're laughing. I'm there. I'm very. I know you are. <laughs> right? You could buy a house in Buffalo for two hundred thousand dollars. Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, a lawn, a great backyard with a pool. Two hundred thousand. Right? Yeah. Percent of two hundred thousand is twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's the that's the the third myth I want to bust. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. You don't need tons of money, right? Your credit score does not have to be at 700, right? And you don't have to put down 20%, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of requirements, remember, I know that's your first question. Yeah. Uh, you need simple things. You know, if you work a nine to five and you get a pay stub every week or every two weeks, there's three things you really need. Uh, first thing is your last two pay stubs if you get paid every two weeks or your last four pay stubs if you work and get paid every week. All right, that's the first thing. The second thing is we want to make sure that you've been working consistently for two years. All right? So if you've been working consistently for two years with no gaps in your employment history, right, that's the second thing the bank looks for, right? Mm -hmm. All right, the third thing we will want 
are your last two years W-2s, right? If you could provide us with the last two years W-2s, those are the three requirements we would look at in, in addition to what your credit score is, 580 and above, to get yeah. you pre-approved for a mortgage. After you get pre-approved and you have a pre-approval document in your hand, that's when you want to go out and start looking for properties. Most real estate agents won't like, you know, look, have you look at properties with them unless you have a pre-approval in hand. Right. So after you go to the bank with your documents, W-2 for the last two years, tax returns for the past two years, pay stubs for the last 30 days, you get a document called a pre-approval. You take the pre-approval to a real estate agent. Right. Real estate agents, you can Google them in your area. You can ask people who are real estate agents that you may know and you start shopping for homes. Once you start shopping for homes and you put an offer in, right? If a house mm -hmm. is 400000 most people are going to bid or put in a higher price. They may say, we'll give you 410 Okay, we'll give you 420 right? You see, put a bid in for 420 and the offer is accepted. You would then send your contract back to me, and then I would help the loan to get underwritten by a team of underwriters. Right. Okay. When, when that happens, um, the process gets very, very detailed. But in essence, everything I just outlined is like the 101 of how to begin to get a house. Got you. Got you. That's very informative. Now, I've heard some people say it is better to build a house from scratch versus actually just buying one that's already out there in, in the market. So from your experience, which one is better? Well, I mean, it's it's based on your preference. You know, some people would rather build their house and it's easier for them because they want a house that is built. Everything brand new. Everything is uh, the way they want it. Mm -hmm. um, some people, they don't want to wait for the house to be built. Right. <laughs> yeah. Want to go through the process of getting the mortgage, and in sixty days, maybe forty-five, maybe thirty days, they want to move in and uh, start living. Um, some people they would rather buy a house that needs to be fixed up. Okay. And they create it and make it their own with renovations that they do on their own. So then it gives them the feel as if the house is being built from scratch too. Um, so it depends. Um, what do I prefer? Well, prefer or, or, or advise. <laughs> um, I mean, in a market like now, it depends on what you, what you could afford. Okay. You know, it all depends on what you could afford. If you could afford to have your house built in opposed to uh, buying a house that is being sold, um, yeah, go ahead and build it. But if you're in a space where, you know what, I would rather buy a house that's in good shape and livable condition, and I would like to make little renovations around the place in opposed to making it everything my own, I don't want to wait, you know, you could you could do it that way. I think for a first-time home buyer, it, it may be easier for you to buy a house that's already that's already built from a previous employer all right there's a scripture verse that says i will cause you to inherit mansions that you have not built 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question. So there's nothing wrong with buying a house that is already built and someone else has made. There's another scripture that says, I would uh, give you the the wealth of the wicked would be transferred over to the righteous. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's talking about houses and land and dollars and stocks. You know, all of these things are already out there for us to grab, for us to acquire. It's like the children of Israel going into the promised land, right? The promised land was occupied by giants, people. <laughs> yeah, it was. And when the children of Israel went into that land, they did build their own houses, but they also occupied the houses of those that they went in and took captive too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you have an option. And I feel like God puts it there for us to choose. <laughs> you know, whatever works for you. That's how God works. He gives you sometimes he gives you well all the time. He gives you a choice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um you have to know what you're you're able to to uh to handle, right? How much of that responsibility you're able to really take. Okay. Um now so what happens if like the appraisal co- um comes back in low? So let's say if they want a home that's like two hundred two hundred thousand dollars, right? But they only appraise at one seventy. Now of course that that other thirty grand that'd be up to them but in terms of like should your real i guess like as a red flag or what have you should well should that be a red flag for the home buyer because like their agent is trying to get them to spend more money than what they have to like how does that process work um well i'll do two things with that question i want to be i want to like be very very transparent and I want yeah, to I want to dumb everything down. Yeah. Some people don't know what an appraisal is. So Got you. an appraisal is actually uh an inspection to make sure that the property that you are purchasing is worth the value of the property that the seller is selling it at, right? If anybody's okay. listening and wanted to know what an appraisal is, that's what it is, right? That's the first thing. Then to answer your question, Omar, mm-hmm. if the seller is selling it at a price that is higher than what the evaluation is for the appraisal, it could be a sign that something is wrong with the property, one. But then two, it could also just be that the seller is greedy. Mm, (laughs) They just want as much money as possible because they know that they can get it in a market like now, right? Right, right, right. People are willing to pay 50, 60, 70, $100,000 more than what the property is actually worth just because they know that the value will eventually get there. Right. Um, right? I, mm-hmm. So if the appraisal comes in low, it doesn't necessarily mean that the property is in bad shape. It could just mean that the seller is being greedy and they want as much as they possibly can get. But even more so, one thing people may need to pay attention to is the real estate agent may ask you to waive the appraisal, right? Now, waiving the appraisal means if the property comes in lower than the price you agree to buy it at, 
you as the seller, you are required to still pay that difference, right? Mm -hmm. Because what happens is the bank is only going to lend you money on what the property appraises at. Right. Right? So if for some reason the property appraises at 400 but the selling price you agreed at was 420 that additional $20,000 you will have to come up with contractually because you agreed to buy it at 420 the bank would give you the 400 but right. that 20 you have to come up with so if you don't have those monies you want to make sure that you don't waive your appraisal right gotcha so if they waive the appraisal would that mean that they have to pay it um at the beginning or like i guess like is that money added on throughout like the like the payments that they make monthly that money is added on to your closing cost got you okay so at closing you have to come up with that extra twenty thousand dollars however right mm -hmm. let's say for some reason that's the case they say to you in the beginning of signing the contract are you willing to waive your appraisal are you willing to pay the difference if the inspection comes back and instead of the property being 425 which you're agreeing to pay it comes in at 420 or 400 are you willing to pay that difference sometimes people say yeah i'm willing to pay that difference because one they either have the money or they know that the property is going to appraise for the the price that it is listed at so you got to use your discretion right, right. When you're looking at a property and you think, you know what, they're asking me to waive the appraisal if there's a difference in the value. Do I think that this value, the value of the house is what they're selling it at? If you look at the house and you think that, you may want to take that risk. Okay. But if you don't, then you shouldn't take that risk. Right. You should speak to your real estate professional and they should be able to guide you. Right. But the market is so crazy right now. People are waving appraisals left and right, to be honest with you. Um, also, when you talk about inspections, mm -hmm. right, you want to make sure you also do an individual inspection outside of the appraisal. Because the appraisal lets you know whether the value of the house is what the value is. Right. Mm -hmm. But the inspection will tell you whatever the problems or issues are with the house. For example, if the house electrical system needs to be upgraded mm -hmm. or if the boiler needs to be replaced or if the floors are up to standard, right? So your individual inspection and an appraisal go together. The okay. inspection also would let you know uh, what the value of property uh, evaluation is. So like, so like, if you go into like to do your own inspection, and you realize, let's say like the boiler, you know, I know um having a boiler can can be very costly, and and you realize that okay, I love the house, but but there are a few things that I found that was that was wrong with it. Um, could you in in the I guess in the um room, um with with uh I guess with you and um the realtor, could you kind of like try to discuss? trying to get that appraisal at a lower cost being that you not have to fix the boiler and stuff once you move in there 
Absolutely, right? That's some that's that's called getting seller's credits, right? So uh, I guess I could outline what you just explained, right? If okay. you're buying property and after the inspection, there are things that need to be fixed in the house, right? There's a couple of things you can do, right? You can either demand that the seller fix those things before closing mm -hmm. on the house, or you could request that they give you money to fix those things. If they give you money to fix those things, they would either lower the price of the house mm -hmm. or they're agreeing to give you a seller's credit, right? To purchase whatever needs to be done in upgrading the living space. I'll give you an example. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of examples. Actually. Go for it. I'll just go with this one. I have a couple of friends that are buying a house and they're buying the house and the house is a beautiful house. Mm -hmm. Structure strong, appraisal came in exactly what they they're, they're, they put in for. Um, but it needs some work, you know, it needs some things to be done. Um, and they negotiated that the seller would have to give them a credit of $15,000 to fix whatever needs to be fixed in the house. Mm -hmm. All right, they didn't want to give them 15,000 at first, they negotiated, they negotiated. The seller agreed to give them eight thousand. The hmm. price of the house went down eight thousand. Right? Mm -hmm. That's eight thousand dollars less that they have to come out of pocket at closing that they can use to fix whatever needs to be done in the house. Wow. Okay. Um, so what are oh, the seller's credit? The seller's okay. So what I was not sure what was the name of that. Um, so what are some of the red flags? Because well, but before we, we even get there, let me backtrack real quick because I, I think I'm kind of moving ahead of myself. Um, no, 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 you're not. I'm gonna okay. Give, <laughs> okay. Give you, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you another term. Okay. There's seller credits, right? Which can help to lower the price of the house if uh, the inspection. There's things that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. There's also something called a seller's concession. Hmm. Okay. Right? A seller's concession is when the seller agrees to put the closing costs of the of the house into the cost of the loan, right? So you remember that 5% I said you should be prepared to pay? Yeah. Right? In addition to your down payment. If you and your seller negotiate to have a seller's concession, they can put that cost into the loan and you don't have to come out of pocket, right? In essence, you'll be just paying that over the course of the loan. Usually people have 30 years to pay a loan, right? 30-year term. Yeah. That's ways for you to save money in the bank, right? Mm -hmm. um, even though your monthly payment might go up incrementally, maybe like seventy, eighty, a hundred dollars. Yeah. If you don't have twenty thousand to come out of pocket at closing, <laughs> a seller's concession is something that you may want to consider. Got you, got you. So, how long is I guess this entire process like? Like, when should people actually start to? look for a home i mean of course i know it's one once they have the money but when should people start to like look for a home and how long is that process or does it vary per person how long does it take to look for a home buy a home and then be in the home that's the question right yeah typically it takes about from from start right so if you apply right you mm -hmm. get approval you should get a pre-approval the same week that you apply if you provide all the documents, once you get the pre-approval, you should start looking. It takes about a month, maybe two months to look, right? 
you say you find the house at two month mark, it probably takes another 60 days from the time that you are in contract to purchase the house. So it probably takes about four months from start to finish. If you start in June, July, August, September, October, by September or October, you should be announced. But it, that, that's how long it usually would take. But it can take quicker than that. It can take a month. It can take two months. And that's contingent off of, like, you know, providing that, that, you, that you have all the documents and everything works well in your favor with, like, not only the realtor, but also to with the seller as well. That's right. Gotcha. Okay. Anywhere between one to four months, right? Wow. Start to application to being in contract to being in the house, mm-hmm. right? It can take, it, the, the process of underwriting alone can take maybe 30 days, 45 days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anywhere between one to four months, that's an average time to be, to put on the loan process or put in the house buying process. And that includes getting pre-approved, searching, going into contract, and actually closing. Got you. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so I have like three more questions for you just real quick. Yeah, um, what are some of the red flags that people should look for throughout this process? When you say red flags, are you talking about like, what the red flags for people that are from the seller? red flags from your bank red flags from your real estate agent like uh let's go with uh, uh, i use, let's go with i use one one from each because i know that they're probably um quite a quite a bit so let's go with at least one from each because um I, I want people to be able to contact you um if they want more information in regards to like to learn more about it so, so i can give like at least one of each okay Uh, A red flag to look for if you're working with a real estate agent. Okay. If the real estate agent you're working with is also working with the seller, um, sometimes, not all the time, that may be considered like a red flag, right? Because the interests are kind of, blurred right Mm. you want to make sure that your real estate agent is working in your best interest in opposed to having a uh a joint interest Mm -hmm. where they're in business with the seller but they're also in business with you i'll give you an example when i bought my house Mm -hmm. i'm so upset about this (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell the story Right, our real estate agent was referred by a family friend mm-hmm. that is finding the house, right? And we have an awesome house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, two, three, three, four, four bedrooms, finished basement, has a pool in the back. You know, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but the agent that we had also worked with the seller, right? Mm. And when we negotiated the 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 fee or the the fees associated with you know what he would get paid, he didn't necessarily have to get paid from us, right? Mm. 
he was supposed to get paid from the seller, right? Um, but it was our first time buying the house. I wasn't in the space of, I was always a banker, but I wasn't at the time, that five years ago, I wasn't in the space of, uh, uh, as deep in the space of getting people mortgages as I am now. Right. Um, so I didn't know that that fee, we didn't have to pay. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having to pay him an additional like $8,000 for helping us. Right. Wow. Um, and I didn't have, we didn't have to do that. Right. 2% as a, as a realtor fee. That's one thing. Right. Two, um, we put down a larger down payment. Right. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have to put down the larger down payment. Right. Again, the larger down payment helped us to lower our monthly payment. Right. Yeah. Mortgage. But we still could have put down lesser money and still have something relatively close to the monthly payment that we have now. Um, but those things happened because the realtor that we had was also a partner of the listing agent or the seller. Right. So their MO was really to get as much money as in cash dollars as possible out of the deal right mm -hmm. you know i didn't realize that until afterwards and that's one red flag you know yeah um if they're asking you to put down more money than need be and the real estate agent works with the seller it could be a red flag not always but that it, it could be um one way that it can't be or wouldn't be is because it is if the the seller is not a uh, investor, right? If the seller is, you know, just a family, a retiree, mm -hmm. a normal person that knows the real estate agent and then the real estate agent knows you because you're doing business with him, most times yeah. it doesn't work where they're looking to, you know, to press as much money as possible. You right. know, and that is negotiable. You could talk directly to the seller and things of that nature. So, those are one thing to look out for um, in terms of the real estate agents. Um, on the bank side, what is something that is a red flag? Um, I don't know, man. You kind of stuck. <laughs> a red flag for the bank. Well, I mean, there's a lot of red flags, to be honest with you, right? Sometimes there's discrimination, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they they turn you down without properly looking at all your documents. You know what I mean? Um Yeah. <laughs> all of those things are red flags. You know, if you if you feel like they're not giving you your due diligence mm -hmm. and appropriately pre approving you. Mm -hmm. Um Um in terms of like appraisals <laughs> Sometimes you may have to fight to get the evaluation for an appraisal that you really, really, really want, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes <laughs> uh, your appraisal may come in low, not necessarily because yeah, your your property isn't valuable. Sometimes your property may come in low because, you know, of the area that it may be in. Um, mm. it may come in low because 
it's possible, right? I'm not saying that this is always the case because yeah. your, your your race, you know, um, there's a lot of stories even in the news, you know, where you look at uh, appraisals being done for houses and a house up the block is worth 800000 but because a family that is African-American owns the house, you know, at the end of the block and opposed to right next to it, the the house owned by the African-American families worked 600,000 when it's a, the exact wow. same house <laughs> in the exact same neighborhood, <laughs> you know? Um, that's crazy. So yeah, I mean, those, those stories are in the news a lot, you know what I mean? So that's a red flag. If your appraisal comes in really low, astronomically low from what the regular evaluations are in the neighborhood, that's a red flag uh, on the bank side. Got you, um, got you. There was one other thing I said, but it, it, I, I miss it. It doesn't come to mind. Um, but hopefully I, I kind of answered that question in terms you of did. red flags. Um, so what advice would you give to first-time homeowners and or apartment seekers? Um, if you are a first-time home buyer, um, my advice to you would be when you buy your house, Make sure you have at least three to six months reserves in the bank after you buy your house, right? So if you bought a house and your mortgage payment is 2500 you want to make sure that after you actually bought the house, you have at least $7,500 in the bank in case of an emergency, in case needs to be. That's very important. Um, in terms of uh, someone that's renting, uh, my advice to you guys would be to save as much money as you possibly can, you know, um, take on that responsibility of paying the rent, but also save and make sure that your credit is in a space where you can take advantage of the lowest interest rates because whenever you are ready to buy, right? Because I, f I feel like, you know, you, you don't want to always stay in a space where you're renting. Oh, yeah. Bro, I thank you, man. You have given such insightful um, information as far as this uh, process. And I feel like people would actually be empowered and they now have the tools on, and the next step on where to go. And they're not, you know, out in the dark trying to make the mistakes that people would make without having this, this info. So thank you so much for agreeing to, you know, be a part of this podcast. Yeah, man, I, I'm I, I'm very grateful. To be honest with you, there's so much more information. Like, you have no idea. I mean, we've talked about seller credits. we talked about seller's concessions. we talked about the hierarchy of, like, you know, living arrangements, rent, mm -hmm. co-ops, condos, single families, multifamilies. We talked about all that stuff, right? But it's actually so much more things to consider. Mm -hmm. Like, we haven't even talked about, like, taxes you haven't talked about insurance we had like it's so much so if you want to like unpack this in like other like sessions we could definitely do that later on you know sometimes oh, yeah, definitely bro um <laughs> i'm definitely down for that you know um i i really want people to just you know have a little bit first kind of introduce you out there but definitely i intend on bringing you back providing that your uh schedule permits you to yeah for sure let me know
Got you, got you. Okay. Now, do you have any uh, resources or, or info that people can go to to, uh, I guess, check out some, some of this stuff? Um, how can they contact you in terms of um, wanting to know this, this more about this, this process? Um, my name is Quincy Kingston. You uh, literally, you could Google my name <laughs> and all of my information comes up, whether it's, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on Instagram, you'll probably see either my business profile right, as a mortgage banker, or you'll see um, my artist profile because I do spoken word poetry. Um, but either way, um, if you reach out to me, I'll be able to, to get right back to you, right? Whether it's on Facebook at Quincy Kingston, whether it's at uh, Instagram <laughs> at Quincy Kingston, um, I'll answer you the very same way. Um, I'll probably also send you a link once you reach out, um, giving you my direct phone number and email address. Only if you're serious, though, you know, uh, I, we can do like a session where I'm just consulting you, answering any questions that you have for about 10 minutes, just so you understand, you know, what the process may look like and if you're ready to buy. That's awesome, bro. Well, thank you once again for taking the time out of your busy schedule today to be able to give us the tools and the knowledge, you know, that we need um, as it relates to money management. Um, as we hone in, in particular, about buying a home, um, even though, you know, we wanted more information, time would not allow us to, but we definitely are going to bring you back for season two, you know, should your schedule permit us to. But, you know, um, Dave Ramsey once said, earning a lot of money is not the key to prosperity. How you handle it is. And, I feel like the info that you gave us today definitely taught us how to handle our money, even for those of us that want to be like first time home buyers or just even buying a home the right way, you know, and just how to go about it. So, bro, thank you so much for it. And, you know, to all of my listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again. <laughs> all right. Take care, y'all. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at empower to excel Tell your friends to download this podcast, like, comment, subscribe, and share your thoughts with us. Until next time, let's continue to spread positive vibes.